Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 232 on Tuesday, the 29th of January, 2019. Hello, I'm Alan, and there's no Andrew this week. He is dead or something, I don't know, Slack message earlier on. I think his kids have infected him or or something like that. So uh, I'm going to carry on without him. Uh, A quick confession at the start, I haven't read all the stories in as much detail as usual just hasn't been time tonight and normally we can split them and like read half and half but never mind we shall get there it might not be the slickest show ever uh, and there's only one person to take responsibility for that and that's me so here we go anyway tonight i'll be talking about all change at renault nissan we'll be talking about volvo's not quite at all total recall uh, and it was monte carlo or bust for a world rally championship this weekend so let's go straight into some follow-up and last week, you'll remember, we talked about uh, we talked about an article from Car Magazine on road tax, uh, and I'm quoting there. And there were a number of inaccuracies in that that were pointed out by people. So um, it is vehicle excise duty. It doesn't matter what your searches and queries are for, then for goodness sakes, do refer to it as vehicle excise duty, not road tax or car tax. Andy Marston of Jaguar points out uh, road tax hasn't actually existed since 1937. Uh, the other mistake we made is a clarification on the on the jealousy tax. If it's if your vehicle is over forty thousand uh, pounds when it is new, then we said a charge on top of the rate for five years. That's not quite true. It's actually on top of the renewal rate, so it's effective from years two to six, uh, not the first five years. You pay the the first year. Uh, that initial year uh, payment, and then for the next five years, for years two through six, you pay the the supplement uh, that is added on to the top. So just worth clarifying those. Car have said thanks for pointing that out, but have actually done nothing about uh, changing the story yet. So please do be aware of that uh, if you are referencing our last week's story. Uh, moving on to to the joys of Renault and Nissan. Yes, that's right. This does seem to be the new diesel gate, sadly. Uh, much to my disgust. Uh, first piece of news is that Hiroto Saikawa, uh, who basically is seen seen as being the person who, who sort of who, who sort of tipped Carlos Ghosn and who's led, in the words of Auto News Europe, the charge against his former boss. Uh, has resigned from his from his job. He says sat, sat down as he'll step down as Nissan CEO, uh, pretty much forthwith. The other piece of news in there is that Carlos Ghosn has resigned roles as both uh, as both chairman and chief executive av- at Renault. So he now has no roles within Renault Nissan, uh, uh, as far as we're aware. Mm-hmm. We'll come to who takes up those 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 two roles of chairman and chief executive uh, just shortly, but yes, the chairman or well, the Nissan CEO has has said that he's going to he's going to step down, and now that Carlos Ghosn has has resigned, um, which is a little bit it's all been a little bit weird, really. Next person to come in and of course take over those roles is Jean Dominique Senard. Uh, who's uh, been CEO of Michelin, uh, and he was named last Thursday uh, by Renault to take over as chairman uh, of of Renault. Saikawa is out. 
they need to decide who's going to replace him. However, they do have uh, they do have a new CEO in at Renault. The new CEO is going to be Thierry Bolloré. So yes, so he's going to take over. So Renault have have decided that rather than one person holding uh, all the cards as they had with with Carlos Ghosn, that there's going to be that split between the chairman and the CEO. I mean, if nothing else, it does add that extra level of um, check and balances in there. Really, you're not marking your own homework, so to speak. What, however, uh, Emmanuel Macron, the French president, has said uh, is that uh, Monsieur Senard uh, should also be chairman of Nissan and should hold both of those roles. Now, remember, we've been through this a bunch of times about Renault is a 43.4% stake in Nissan. Nissan is a small stake in Renault. That's right. I was just making sure. So we'll see just, just what happens from there. Suppose that the idea... The idea was put by by President Macron to uh, Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe during a phone call. So we'll see ex- exactly what happened. A a person familiar with the matter has been cited uh, in the, um, according to the Fuji News Network. So that's what's coming out of uh, of Japan on that particular story. We'll have more follow-up next week, uh, I'm sure, and we'll discuss this in yet more detail. Uh, but before we completely finish with uh, Renault and Nissan, Nissan has confirmed that never to be missed out of a good party, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission uh, has decided that it's going to investigate Nissan in the U.S. Uh, to to just see what happened there uh, and to look at how well and how thoroughly it disclosed executive pay in the U.S. Because, you know... What the hell more could you want than great big fines from the auto industry? If if anybody wants to know more about that, then do please uh, speak to Volkswagen. Anyway, let's move on to some new news. And first up is that Volvo are about to have to recall uh, a significant number of vehicles. And by significant number, I mean about 30,777. Uh, according to the carexpert.co.uk. These are diesel engine cars uh, sold in the UK uh, and built between 2015 and 2016. What Volvo have identified is that some vehicles may may end up with cracks inside some of the high-pressure fuel lines in the engine compartment, uh, may lead to fuel leakage in the engine compartment. Now, they're saying that there's no damage, no injuries have been reported as relating to this issue. Uh, this is very much a proactive recall um, and preventative maintenance, really. So, as I say, 30,777 cars in the UK. The models which are affected are as follows. Brace yourselves, folks. It's the V40, the V40 Cross Country, the S60, the S60 Cross Country, the V60, and the V60 Cross Country. The XC60, the V70, the XC70, the S80, and the XC90. I would run through those again, but to be honest, it's less painful for me if you just press rewind. Uh, so it's basically everything that was sold in 2015 to 2016 if it has diesel in total 219,420 cars are being recalled worldwide so uh, if you're not sure if you think your vehicle might be covered but aren't certain then do then do get in touch with your volvo dealer to find out i'm sure they'll be able to help 
uh, with that. Next, the government has issued a minimum technical specification, a set of requirements for new home chargers, which are going to come in from, well, come in pretty soon. So there's a step, there's the current set of standards, and then on the 1st of June 2019, there's, there's going to be a small setup. It mostly covers who can install it, um, and it also covers uh, some specifications and some requirements, which are expected uh, expected to be implemented this i mean it's quite a short document it's three pages of a4 setting out requirements a lot of it refers back to various uh, various british standards but it's quite interesting what charging outlets will now be allowed so for these and if you're putting an electric car charger then things like slow ac so less than three and a five 3.5 kilowatts uh, isn't permitted and then from there on, it's 3.5 to 7 kilowatts and a fast AC as well. It gives an idea of the ratings that should be in there. Um, oh wow, all sorts of stuff. So DC stuff, semi-rapid and rapid DC and ultra-rapid are not allowed at home. Um, it gives guidance on location and it gives guidance on data communication protocols and... Uh, various site well it just gives a simple cyber security uh, requirement saying that data should be encrypted uh, and that it it should be resilient to cyber attack whatever that means uh, it's not particularly uh, it's not particularly detailed but it is something rather than nothing really uh, it also says that for service and maintenance maintenance it says charging equipment should be supplied with an on-site three-year warranty on parts and installation so it's really quite quite detailed in that point of view and really sort of looks towards com uh, consumer protection uh, if nothing else ah yes the egregious addison lee uh, addison lee has bought 1200 volkswagen Sharon volkswagen sharon 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 uh, However you're meant to pronounce it, I don't think anybody's really worked out how you're meant to pronounce that in the UK over the last 20 years. Um, but they've bought 1200 Chiran SE 2-litre TDI Blue Motion 150s with uh, DSG automatic gearboxes, unsurprisingly given that they're going to be used mostly in central London. People who are familiar with, with any form of travel in or around London will be aware of the Addison Lees. Uh, Addison Lee's fleet, uh, which at the minute is made up almost entirely of the Ford Galaxy. I would imagine, in fact, I would be highly surprised if uh, Ford continues to offer the Galaxy uh, in the UK uh, after Addison Lee uh, pulling it, um, changing, changing brand allegiance. I saw quite an interesting, uh, quite an interesting comment about, well, you know, of course. These big manicab companies are going to be stocking up on their Euro 6 uh, compliant diesels right now. It gives them the longest possible run before moving to full EV. Uh, what Lisa Berger, the chief operating officer of Addison Lee Group, has said that it will make the entire fleet zero, uh, compliant with TFL's low emission standards and start the process of moving towards a zero emission capable fleet. So yeah, basically what I've just said. Right there. Motoring Research have commented and are saying that, that, that given the, the inner city diesel bans which are likely to come, uh, then they, they're wondering if they would start to see uh, Addison Lee branded versions of the Volkswagen ID Buzz um, whenever it comes through to full production. 
I don't know. Let's just wait and see. I think they'll be trying to stick with the diesel for as long as they possibly can. Which brings us, in a rather truncated fashion, uh, due to the fact that there is much less discussion this week, uh, to Guilt Minute. So it's that point in the show where I remind you to think about and consider what the motoring podcast is worth for you. For you. If you feel uh, it gives you a small amount of your hard-earned cash worth of pleasure, then please do head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange Become a Patron button right there on the front page. If you're already a patron, then you know that we think you're awesome anyway, but we're going to keep on saying it time and time again. We understand that not everyone has a spare finance just hanging around at the bottom of their trouser pockets. Uh, so if you're in that situation, please don't forget to like, rate, and leave feedback via the podcast playing platform of your choice. Uh, and don't forget that word of mouth, uh, tell your mates about us, is a fantastic way of garnering support for the show as well. If for some reason you don't actually subscribe and you don't use a podcatcher, then uh, and you need some help, then do please get in touch. Uh, we also have a small video on our, on our YouTube channel, uh, which I remember to share every now and again on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, uh, where we can actually help you, help you subscribe and, and then... Shows come magically to you. In the meantime, if you stream off our site, then we do really appreciate the click. Okay, so next up is Motorsport Corner. Uh, and first up is the Formula E Santiago E-Prix. Now, I was kind of relying on Andrew this week for both of these. I'm going to be completely honest. I haven't had a chance to watch the E-Prix in its entirety yet. And I didn't get a chance to watch the, the, the Monte Carlo rally either. However, Santiago in Chile... It was the hottest Formula E race ever, with temperatures reaching up to 37 degrees Fahrenheit. And as ever with Formula E, with Formula e it was, um, uh, I was going to say fast paced, but then everyone says, oh no, it's far too slow because it's not nearly as quick as Formula 1. But what I really mean is, is it was the usual sort of cross between Formula 1 and touring cars. Uh, in there where it is just tight tight races sometimes a little bit sort of negatively tight uh in in as 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 drivers drivers can't get through the 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 spaces on these these tight street circuits which they normally use anyhow how did it look at the end so the top five were robin freen uh for envision virgin racing uh mortara for venturi formula e daniel abd in third uh, for Audi Sport Abt Schiffler Formula E team, which is such a long name, they have to do in tiny little writing on the official Formula E documentation. Pascal Verlein uh, was second for Mahindra Racing, so well done him. And complete winner, uh, crossing the line first, was Sam Bird for, once again, for Envision Virgin Racing. That puts uh, Sam Bird in an interesting uh, position because he is now the first person, or the only person, who has won a race in every single season of Formula E. There you go. There's your useless fact for the day. Uh, you'll notice that Lucas Degrassi lost pole position. Um or certainly wasn't at the top. I think he was seventh overall. Um, but this was because he was judged not to have respected the instruction manual given out by Spark. Now, Spark is the FIA supplier uh, of of much of the powertrain. Because of the high temperatures, which is why I mentioned them, uh, then Spark Racing Technology asked them to adhere to specific braking parameters, 
during qualifying. And it was felt that it was felt that Lucas Degrassi wasn't working within those parameters and was ignoring those parameters. Uh, as a result, he he was given a, he was given a penalty. Uh, it goes in far more details on this in tire and brake protocols and all this kind of fun stuff. The eRacing365.com. There will be a link in the show notes uh, to that, and it goes into far, far more detail uh, there. And it seems like a really good site. This is a, a sort of a new source for us on this, but it seems to really cover the Formula E in in well a lot of a lot of detail, and it's it's really quite interesting. Lots and lots of stories on there, including the possibility that Ford. Um, is thinking about uh, Formula E as well. But we'll see what happens just there. And remember that you heard it on there first. Uh, Also at the weekend was the Monte Carlo Rally. Uh, Lots of mix-up in there. Lots of changes. Of course, first rally of the season. Uh, And, you know, new revised cars, new revised driver and co-driver setups. So, so yes, it was it was quite uh, um, that was a bit of a of a difference. So the final results was uh, fifth were Yari Mati Latvala for uh, Toyota Gazoo Racing, fourth was Sebastian Loeb was Sebastian Loeb for Hyundai, uh, third was Ot Tanak again for Toyota Gazoo, uh, in second was Thierry Neuvi uh, in uh, Hyundai again and first and this is somewhat different from last season and probably the season before was Sebastian Augier uh, in the Citroen uh, Total WRT so the the C3 in there so combining that with the power stage times uh, in which the fastest was Chris Meek uh, in the in the the Yaris uh, for Toyota Gazoo Augier second Nuvi third Tanak fourth, and Timu Suninen in the M Sport uh, was came through on fifth. Uh, that means that the driver standings are as follows: going from eleven drivers. Yeah, I'll go from eleventh. So Timu Suninen has one point. Adrien Formo has one point. Stefan Sarazin has two points. Jon Bonato has four. Gus Greensmith. Gosh, that's fairly six out amongst the other names. Uh, has six points. Yeah, Mati Latvala, 10. Sebastian Loeb, 12. Chris Meek, 13. Odd Tanak, 17. Thierry Neuvi is 21 in second. And Sebastian Augier has 29 points uh, to lead the driver standing after the one race. So we'll see how that go, that uh, that continues uh, and see just what happens in the next round there is a lunchtime watch instead of a lunchtime read this week and we've got no no list of the week because it was meant to be the what car awards to help pay for andrew's dinner along with his tweeting of said dinner and instagramming of said dinner so (laughs) i really sound like i'm bitter and i'm not not at all so there's no list of the week this week Uh, but the lunchtime watch for goodness sakes people the folks at not too grand led of course by mr the pollet uh released well, last weekend released their first video. I mean, many, many months ago, there was a Kickstarter campaign. There's been a whole load of work, lots of little mutterings that have been going on in between times. But they finally released it at the weekend, and it is really rather good. So it's not too grand. And their first challenge, I don't know, that makes it sound a little bit competitive, and it isn't. But it's, it's bringing a car back to life. So do please go have a watch. Uh, there'll be a link to the blog, which in turn contains a link to the 
to the the video uh, in the show notes. Uh, but do go to not too grand, which is that's n o t the number two grand.co.uk, and go have a watch of the video there. Uh, even if you don't go via our uh, via our, our show notes, it's cracking. It's excellent. I want to see more. Um, yeah, well done, lads. Really, really excellent stuff. So do please go check that out. And finally this week is one very, very close to my heart. And and there's a little bit of me really wanted a good old squabble with Andrew over this. But uh, he's ruined that for me. Which is the story. It's been all over just about everything. Uh, And it's the fact that that Gatwick Airport are going to enter into... Enter into a trial with the the French company called Stanley Robotics, which is probably the least French-sounding name ever, uh, to put in a car park, which where your car is parked by a by an autonomous roboty thing. It's essentially a a sort of it's a bit like a pallet truck uh, or one of those sort of uh, you know the powered pallet trucks that you see sometimes in supermarkets and things. Uh, and the idea is it goes under your car, it goes out, it picks it up by the bottom of the wheels. Uh, and it drives, it, it, it drives away, and it will park your car, uh, hopefully neatly, uh, and without any human intervention. It will identify a space, put your vehicle in the space, come back out from under the car, and uh, and do that. And the idea is you can drop it off from within a little little private garagey bit, take your luggage out, whatever, close it, lock it, let the um, let the these vehicles come along, pick it up, and put it put it in the space. Uh, and then whenever your flight arrives and whenever it's it's time to collect it, uh, just like with with those kind of human powered human powered it's not quite what I mean what I mean with uh, with the the kind of human staffed uh, valet parking setups you know you can end up back and wait your car is sitting waiting for you in a convenient spot. Uh, you put your luggage in, get in and, and, and drive away. Uh, and the idea is to do this without that uncertainty of the human. I'm going to be honest, this is a situation in which I think it's a fantastic idea. Now, we've, we'll be linking to the, or we've linked to the Top Gear story on this uh, in the show notes. But I read another one, which was another story on this, which pointed out just how much, um, how much more densely they could park the cars as a result of this. So the idea is you give over a bit of space to, you know, maybe 10 little, you know, drop off and collection garages. Uh, but you can park you can park the cars so much more closely together because you don't have to worry about doors opening and closing and boots opening and closing and all these kind of things. So so the, the win for for the parking um, or the garaging company in all of this is that they can they can park more cars in the same space. Uh, they also probably chances are they have to to run a less complex uh, shuttle bus setup and all these kind of things, which again uh, essentially drop the costs per car for the parking and should help pay for this system. I think it's really good as someone whose vehicles spend an awful lot of time um, at airport car parks then getting rid of the chance of people coming along and digging the doors and stuff uh, when you're not around is I think really good. Uh, it's kind of one of those technologies that mostly you wish everybody else used but, but wish you could just park your car yourself. That's you know, because you're a perfect driver, aren't we all? Uh, but that's not really realistic. So I' looking forward to this. It can take vehicles up to really quite long by really quite heavy. Um, that's that kind of accuracy of description that you you like from us. Uh, I, I 
it should be just perfect for European cars. I see some some uh, Americans going, oh my goodness, I could never fit my Escalade or whatever on this. Well, no, you couldn't. So tough. So I, I think that that would be a great thing if it if it ever appeared, if it ever happens. Only trouble is it's a Gatwick, and Gatwick is possibly the hardest airport in the world to get to. Anyway, on which abusive airport that brings us pretty much to the end of the show tonight. Uh, it has been rather short. My apologies uh, on that. Um, and apologies from Andrew as well. I should pass that along. What parish notes do I have this week? There should, you know, depending on the death of the producer be a special edition out on Friday. We recorded that last night when you could still almost croak along, uh, but I was doing most of the talking, so so that meant that that was okay. Uh, don't forget there are 150 videos out as well. If you go to youtube.com slash motoringpodcast, then they are on there. Um, yes, other bits and pieces and stuff to come, no doubt. You know what we're like about just kind of Slightly scattergunning some of the content. Anyhow, don't forget that between now and next week, when hopefully there'll be two of us, uh, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts on the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the herb of all our activities. Uh, don't forget about uh, Patreon and any of the other ways that you can support us uh, by going to motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please do leave reviews, ratings via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whichever podcast app you use. Uh, they really do matter. To get in touch with Andrew, he is most likely to be found on Twitter. If you search for Cracked Windscreen, uh, you should normally find him. Uh, and for me, it's best to use Twitter again where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back next week. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. He's definitely not been Andrew Close. And safe motoring. Definitely not been Andrew Close.